A very good evening to you and welcome to People of Note on Classic 1027. I'm Richard Cock and every Sunday at this time we talk to someone who is a person of note and listen to music of their choice. And my guest in tonight's program is Dirk Badenhorst, who is the CEO of the South African International Ballet Competition. Welcome, Dirk. Thank you very much and thanks for having me in these beautiful studios. I know they've been here for two years, but it's my first time here. And it's been many years since I interviewed you last. And I want you to tell me what is, first of all, what is the International Ballet Competition? Well, the International Ballet Competition, I started in 2008. So we had our 10th anniversary this year. Um, and I started it because I tr am fortunate to travel a lot in the world and to see the state of ballet in the world. And I, I don't feel that we are doing enough in South Africa for many different reasons to achieve the outcomes that, that we are able to achieve with the talented teachers and dancers that we have in South Africa. And so I started the competition in order to actually address that, to show people what other 10-year-old, 12-year-old, 15-year-olds do around the world, and to start saying, this is what we need to look like to be able to say we are indeed an international segment of the world of ballet. And um, so in the last 10 years, we've had dancers from more than 30 countries represented. We've had jurors from the biggest ballet companies in the world, from the Paris Opera, the Royal Ballet, from Cuba, from America, from China, Korea. Um, and they have collectively represented more than a thousand years of experience in the world of ballet. And that is an incredible thing in that it really helps us to understand our place in the world and where it is that we need to go. And we don't need to follow as much as we need to be more creative and innovative in the way that we train. Uh, there are some basic rules and there are some certain things that we need to be, but we also need to be truly South African in what we create on stage in South Africa. Well, there it is in a nutshell. That's what Dirk does. And through this program, we're going to hear about the state of ballet in South Africa, where we have been, where we are now, and where we'd like to go in the future. Here comes his first choice. This is by Leon Minkus. It's the pas de deux from Don Quixote. That was the pas de deux from Don Quixote by Leon Minkus, the choice of Dirk Badenhorst, the CEO of South African International Ballet Competition, who's my guest in People of Note. Dirk, you talked about talented teachers that we have, and I think South Africa has produced some amazing ballet dancers in the past. Is that true? That is indeed true. For many years, if you think of the Royal Ballet in London, about a third of the company used to be South African dancers, but this is like 50, 60 years ago. Um, in the last few years, less so, um, but we've still had amazing dancers that go from Angela Malan, Anya Carstens, Teresa Magongwa, Kitty Petla, uh, Ian MacDonald, Karen Beakers, so an incredible list of young dancers but every year less because there's less state funding, there's less time, uh, there's less commitment. Um, but it's not only in South Africa. I was at the Vaganova Academy's uh, graduation ceremony last year in St. Petersburg, and I was also at the Bolshoi Academy's graduation in 2006. So 10 years later, uh, in 2006, they had 29 boys graduate. In 2016, they had 11. So it shows you that it's, it's a tendency around the world that we want 
the quick fix solutions and ballet certainly is not, nothing quick fix about ballet it takes years of training it's a very expensive art form but it's a very beautiful art form and in South Africa in particular I think it has a, a very very important political role to play you know for so many years ballet was for white people only very elitist um, and then the government changed and many people thought we would lose something that is as dear to us as classical ballet and it's now 2018 and we still have ballet um, and now ballet is accessible to all South Africans so it's a good story and I think uh, when I work in China when I work in Cuba when I work in Russia they are all amazed by the fact that we still have classical ballet in South Africa and they are all waiting for the South African stories to be told and to see the South African dancers and that's why I started a program called Q-Dancer which is Cuban dance in South Africa where we take the Cuban methodology and we train young South Africans we now work in many many different uh, locations um, and we also train teachers so it's about job creation in the township, so in Soweto, in Orange Farm, in Geluksdal, in Reicher Park, we are now training more than 30 teachers who are now training more than a thousand kids on. Um, and that is really starting to have an impact. And, and it's all part of a plan that in the end, I will be able to take the best of the best from all of those different schools and put them into a central school from a younger age, um, because we need to train these kids from the age for little girls, I would say between six and 10, and for little boys from 10 to 12 is when we need to start with them really, really vocationally, not as a fun thing that you do at the studio down the road, as a serious, talented kid that we want to have on a stage in South Africa to be able to have a transformed ballet company that speaks to all South Africans. Your next choice is by Tchaikovsky. And Russia, of course, is the home of some great ballet dancers. This is the Pas de Deux from Swan Lake, played by the Symphony Orchestra of the Bolshoi Theatre of Russia. The Pas de Deux from Swan Lake by Tchaikovsky, played by the Symphony Orchestra of the Bolshoi Theatre of Russia under Alexandra Laz Alexander Lazarev. The choice of Dirk Badenhorst, who's my guest in People of Note. Dirk, you talked about the training that's needed if you want to take ballet seriously. And if you're a girl, you have to start between 6 and 10. And if you're a boy, between 10 and 12. And unless you do that, there are some people who start later, but they've got a lot of catching up to do. They have a lot of catching up. And that's part of when I grew up, my dad wasn't in favor of me doing classical ballet. So I left it much later. And that's really part of the drive that I have is that I don't want other young South African kids to have to do the catch up. And really, in many cases, it's too late. Um, and then it's talent wasted. It's skill that we could have done something so much more. It could have been a potential new choreographer that could come up with something amazing, a fantastic storyteller. Um, and that's why the the music that we just played is part of the new ballet that I've created called Benging Ghazi, which we'll be performing um, in at the end of October at the Peter Turin Theatre at Monte Cassino, where we mix pure, pure classical ballet. So the White Swan, part of dance, the dance by Angela Malan, Michael Reavy, mixed with some amazing Pansula dancers from two crews. One crew is from Soweto, and the other is the um, Alexandra Rockstars, which is just incredible to see the, the development. We, and what we did was the Pansula guys had to come and do ballet class with us, and the ballet dancers had to do the pansula. And so organically, with Adele Blank um, choreographing with the music of Nick Payton, it has grown into a beautiful story that I came up with, with a classical ballet mom 
having a child with a Pansula dad, not telling him. And that's what Benghazi means. I did not know. So the father didn't know he had a son. The son didn't know who his father was. And the mother didn't know when to actually disclose to her child his roots. And then he grows up in the world of ballet. And at some stage, the mother decides, but she has to bring him up in the world of Pansula as well. And for me, that's the tagline and the tagline really of South Africa. Why do we have to choose the one or the other? Why can't it be both? And I think that is what I would like for us to be able to see through this particular ballet. And it's it's really beautiful. We did it last year at the International Ballet Competition, I mean, two years ago. Um, and we also did it in Sasselberg. And it was incredible to to see a young, new, sexy audience respond so well to the pure ballet, the pure pansula, and then the two coming together and being danced so well together. Here's a piece which is often danced to, the, and you were talking about swans there. This is a swan from another composer, Camille Sanson, from the Carnival of the Animals. That was The Swan from the Carnival of the Animals by Camille Sanson. Sheku Kane Mason, who's the sort of talk of the town at the moment, he played at the Royal Wedding a few months back, and that was the cellos from the City of Birmingham Symphony Orchestra who were playing along with him. The choice of Dirk Badenhorst, my guest, in People of Note. Dirk, uh, we have, when you talk about Pansula and ballet together, there's been an explosion of dance since 1994. I think that's true to say. Uh, so we've got dancers, many, thousands of dancers, really good dancers. They go all over the world. They choreograph here, there, and everywhere. How many people move from dance to ballet and perhaps the other way around also? It's very hard to move from something to ballet because the technique of ballet is such that it's virtually impossible to do that. Many people move from ballet to dance because we often say that ballet is the foundation of so many of the dance forms. Um, and just going back quickly to the music we just played, in 2014 I hosted a gala, Russian Ballet Stars, and I actually mixed Kitty Petla with a Russian ballerina. And it was kind of a story of taking the Russian tradition and passing it on to South Africa. And that is really what we are doing now. Now we are passing it into South Africa. And in some, some ways, I, I think the closing of the, the state-funded entities, the four uh, arts councils, in some way was a good thing in that it, it allowed more people to say, but now I have an opportunity to create as well. However, like many other things, I think that a, a return to that would not necessarily be a bad thing in that it would help with the funding that is so urgently needed on so many different levels, not just for ballet or classical music, for all of the dance forms, for all of the art forms. It needs to have a, a, a national support, a provincial support, a local support. It needs to have that secure funding. Every time you do an application for funding, it's for one year and you don't know exactly when you're going to get it and you don't know when it's going to come again. And as we speak about the training and the development that we are doing in South Africa, it takes five to ten years. So if there isn't a secure funding to, to, to ensure that it continues, this is the problem. Um, also, within the companies, if you travel the world and you want to, to do exchanges with international ballet companies or arts institutions, they talk about three or four years down the line. And we don't even know where our funding for t tomorrow is going to come from. So therein lies the fact that so many youngsters travel out of South Africa and land up on international stages 
and they should be in South Africa. They should be inspiring us and making us happy in South Africa. And it's very true. That's the same with uh, singers and instrumentalists now. But we'll talk about that in a moment. It's almost as though ballet and the art forms are the girl badly looked after. La Fille Malgarde, and that's the next piece by Ferdinand Erold. That was the introduction to La Fille Malgarde by Ferdinand Erold, the Royal Liverpool Philharmonic Orchestra, conducted by Barry Wordsworth, the choice of Dirk Badenhorst, the CEO of South African International Ballet Competition. Dirk, we were talking about young people going abroad uh, from South Africa, which is fine because they have opportunities there that we can no longer offer here. I think there was a time when we had thriving opera companies, thriving ballet tradition here, when people could make a career here in South Africa. But perhaps we, you and me, and other people involved in the arts have to find different ways of doing things, which I think is what you're doing and what I'm doing. Absolutely. That's why it's lovely chatting to you, because <laughs> in so many ways, I look up to the work that you do and oftentimes use it as inspiration for what I want to do. Um, and that's, I think, something that I teach in all the teaching to all the kids is that if you can't find a job, create a job. Um, and that's really, really important. That's why the training the teachers and townships is important, because it really helps them become self-sustainable and proud people. While I am spreading the gospel of ballet, I'm also creating work. Um, but with, it's also important, like with the ballet in the bush that we do at Legend Golf and Safari Lodges, where they have a rhino orphanage and where I often say both, ballets, ba both ballet and rhinos are species facing extinction if we don't start taking care of them really, really quickly. Um, it, it's incredible to see the impact it has. And I often have dancers that come up from overseas to work with me in these programs. The first time I did it was when Michaela de Prince and Ashley Bowder were here from Stars of American Ballet, um, a gala that I did then. And it really is great to see the reaction that we get. And we also so often get stuck in the cities and we forget that there's thousands of young, talented people outside of the cities not able to come to the cities. And then forget about the young children who, who, who are even further beyond that, with virtually no money. Um, and we, w when we see the impact of these beautiful art forms being shown to them, shown that it helps them dream and it helps them achieve new heights, which they didn't think was possible. Um, that is why I keep on saying that South Africa is a beautiful place. And that's why I keep on doing what, what I keep on doing. Um, sometimes I kind of think, what's wrong with me? And why do I keep on doing it? But it's when I see the stars in the little boy or little girl's eyes when we teach them ballet and we show them the beauty of it, the tutu, the tiara. And I always say it's incredible. Whether you're in Russia, Beijing, Paris, Havana, Soweto, a girl on point with a tutu and a tiara has exactly the same meaning. It's like any other brand, whether it's Coca-Cola or IBM. It has exactly the same meaning. And that's why I find it strange that so often the big businesses look at the arts and, and don't actually see the value of supporting the arts. If you think of a program like So You Think You Can Dance in America, it has 18 million viewers. If we could have a very good similar program, we can reach so many more people in South Africa. Um, and it's a very niched market, so it speaks to a very particular audience. And business people think about that. 
That was The Kingdom of the Shades from La Bayadere by Leon Minkus, the choice of Dirk Bardenhorst, my guest in People of Note. Dirk, earlier on you talked about Cuba, and I guess many Cuban people have strong history and roots in Africa, and they produce fantastic ballet dancers. What is it well supported by the state there? Yeah, I think that's and, the, and why? That's a that's the big secret. Is that uh, Fidel Castro from the beginning said to Alicia Alonso, who I had in a gala in South Africa in 2013, "We need to keep the kids off the street. We need to give the kids what you've had. Um, it helps them with creativity development, etc., etc., etc." So they have from the beginning funded, and they still funded within the Cuban funding. Um, it very, very well. It is one of the top three exports. They export rum, they export cigars, and they export the National Ballet of Cuba. And doctors. And doctors, but doctors comes after the ballet. <laughs> mm. So I believe. Um, but that is really what they are doing. And, and 60 years ago, Cuba and South Africa were on par, politically speaking. And sadly, Cuba went stronger and stronger and stronger, and South Africa less and less and less so. And so now it is incredible to see the willingness from the, the Cuban government to work with us and to help us in this program of training the teachers. Um, the National Ballet School of, of Cuba is incredible in their support. The National Ballet of Cuba is wonderful. Alicia Alonso, Ramona de Sa. Um, and it's, it's been incredible to see how it works. And in South Africa, we have a very small existing ballet audience or a classical audience, I would probably say. And there's a much bigger, broader audience that we are needing to speak to. And the Cuban ballet being this bravura, virtuoso, jumping, flashy kind of art form really speaks to a much broader ballet audience. And so when I put the Cubans on to perform, we have a much broader audience coming to see it and it speaks to them. And that's really why I like the Cuban methodology, apart from the fact that the, the Cubans have said their people look like our people in South Africa with the racial mix and, and makeup, but they would take any kind of body and they would train it as well as they could possibly train it. It doesn't mean they don't still want a ballet dancer to still look like a ballet dancer because somebody still has to lift the, the girl above their head. But it does say a big, slightly bigger hips, slightly more chesty, not the best feet in the world. We can still make that person into a beautiful classical dancer. Being Saivaldez, one of the best Cuban ballerinas, is a prime example of that. Carlos Acosta, the first black dancer to be dancing as a principal at the Royal Ballet, comes from Cuba, trained in the same system. So that is what I believe we need to sell on to the, to the South African market because then it becomes truly relevant in South Africa. Music next by Adolf Adam. This is the peasant pas de deux from Giselle. The Peasant Pas de Deux from Giselle by Adolf Adam. That was played by the London Symphony Orchestra under Richard Bonning. And we've just got about a minute until it's seven o'clock. Uh, tell us briefly about your international ballet competition, which I know has just happened. Well, this year's competition was incredible in that we had so many uh, scholarships awarded to kids to go to the Shanghai International Ballet Competition, to go to Portugal, to go to the Berlin State Ballet School. We have from two years ago a young gentleman, Joshua Williams, who's now with the Zurich Ballet Academy. So really, it, it, it's become a place where young South Africans get given wings 
and doors that open to the world to get better training for teachers to go and see what's happening in the rest of the world so we can compare really well with them in the future. But sadly, we have to say goodbye to some of these people because once they've got a foot, well, and in ballet cases, definitely a foot in the door, uh, the, the opportunities there are so much greater than here. They are, but fortunately many of them are willing to come back and then give back to South Africa as well. So we have to encourage that. You're listening to People of Note on Classic 1027. It's just about 7 o'clock. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back after this. The beautiful pas de deux, the love dance from Romeo and Juliet by Sergei Prokofiev. That was the orchestra of the Royal Opera House Covent Garden under Mark Ermler, the choice of Dirk Badenhorst, the CEO of the South African International Ballet Competition. Dirk, you, just before we took a break, you were saying that you've just finished that. It happens every two years. Yeah. So have you already begun planning for the next one now? Absolutely. We're looking at who the next jury members will be. We're looking at what dates we have so we can start marketing it. Because really it is about bringing the world to South Africa and then showcasing South Africa to the world while they are here. Um, and so for me, it's very important to to choose my jury members well because I want to have some people that represent big ballet schools. I like people to represent big companies so that there can be possible contract offers. We've had dancers get jobs with the Washington Ballet, with San Francisco Ballet, with uh, the Dutch National Ballet. Um, and then it's also very important for me to always have South African representation. So in the last competition, we had Theo Dindwa from Cape Town as one of my jury members and Edward Hreilen were the two South Africans on the, the panel. And so, again, it's just a way of saying, but we've, we've got a future, we've had a past, let's work together to, to create something that will be lasting for the future. And um, that is what it's about. And what, what I'm very fortunate, in the last three, four years, I've, I was able to adjudicate competitions in Shanghai and Beijing, um, I was the first South African um, and African there. I was the first one in Cuba, in Havana. I was the first one in Korea. Um, and so it's great to start seeing that at least they are recognizing what we are doing in South Africa. And I was in Hong Kong uh, two weeks ago, and I was watching a rehearsal of uh, Septim Weber's uh, new ballet Alice in Wonderland, which I would love to bring to South Africa at some stage, probably for the 2020 competition as an opening number. And one of the dancers, Brooklyn Mack, who has danced in South Africa, was wearing a T-shirt from the pre-Benoel de la Dance, which is the Oscars of the international ballet competition world. And you don't enter, you get nominated by your jury members. And I really wanted to go there. And um, it's been around since 1991, and the prize money is a million dollars, etc., etc., etc. And when I landed in South Africa, the first message I got on my phone was an invitation from the pre Benoit de la Dance to be on their jury for the next competition, which I first checked to see if it was really a real thing or whether it was spam because I couldn't believe it. But it's amazing to, to know that I will be the first African living in Africa on that panel. And so when I make my nominations, I will definitely try and think of which South Africans and which Africans need to be there and need to be honored in some way. Even just to be nominated is already a big honor for this particular competition. And so it's wonderful that South Africa is indeed moving back onto the international stage and being made aware of what's happening. Juliet as a Young Girl from Romeo and Juliet by Sergei Prokofiev. Dirk, 
you talked about China earlier on, and I don't know how far ballet, I'm sure dance or Chinese dance, ballet, whatever it is, has a long history. What about Western-style ballet in China? Well, if we think of the book Mao's Last Dancer with Li Xuing Sin, who was in South Africa in 2005 and who I sat on the jury with in Beijing in 2015, um, he kind of in many ways is China or Chinese ballet, and it's very big in China at the moment. They have just built, two years ago, we, we were there for the opening of the Shanghai International Dance Center with 54 ballet studios. Um, and then Beijing being the capital said, but we want a bigger one. So they built a 70 studio dance center or ballet center. It's a ballet center in uh, Beijing. And it's incredibly well funded by the government, really well funded. Um, and we've worked with the Leoning Ballet. I've taken dances to the Beijing Ballet or the National Ballet of, um, of China. And I've worked with Shanghai. And it's incredible to see how slowly but surely... The dancers are incredibly well trained. They take the body and they train it very, very well. But the Chinese dancers particularly, they are great at copying. And we are all saying, but you should tell a story more. And I sometimes wonder, but isn't that trying to change them too much? But in any case, the ballet in China is incredible. It's well supported on so many levels. And the Chinese dancers win so many of the international ballet competitions because Again, it's a competition for them, like the Olympics, like anything else. It's about the gold medal. And I think in some ways, even though it's an art form and it's always the battle, is it an art form, is it a trick form, is it whatever? It is an art form. But if we want to stay relevant, we might need to have to look at it slightly differently um, in the way that we sell it on. And that's really what all of this is, is truly about, is making sure that we stay as good as the rest of the world or try and get closer to it at least. Um, but the Chinese are incredible. And I, I just hope that when our president sits with the Mr. Ping in China, like he did this past few days, one of the bilateral agreements would in future be more arts support and that we can learn from the Chinese to say, yeah, we would also like to have that. And the Chinese have taken to um, symphony orchestras, ballet. I mean, I don't know what else. I, I know they're great collectors of Western art, for example. But obviously, Western art forms are pretty popular in China. It's very popular. And, and I actually spoke to somebody the other day. Is When the Chinese decide they want something done, they just do it. They don't care if, if Richard Koch is great at getting it done. I will hire Richard Koch to do it um, because that's what I want. So if the outcome is decided upon, they go for it. And that's really, again, something we can learn from in South Africa. Instead of having to go through all these processes and bureaucratic um, nightmares, Let's just get it done. Let's get South Africa working on every single level by getting it done. Your next choice is, again, Tchaikovsky. This is the Black Swan from Swan Lake. That was music by Tchaikovsky from Swan Lake, the Black Swan from Act Three, the London Symphony Orchestra under Richard Bonning, the choice of Dirk Badenhorst, the CEO of the South African International Ballet Competition. You talked about China. We've talked about Cuba. Was there ever in South Africa, or not in South Africa, but in Africa as a whole, was there any other center of dance? I mean, we had dancers from here. I know uh, John Cranko was from Zimbabwe originally, I think, or was he South, South African. African? South African. Yeah. 
But was there anything in North Africa, say in Cairo, where they had an opera house or well, Tangier? Well, they do have a ballet company. Actually, yeah. with my last gala last year in September, I had a young dancer from Cairo, from the Egyptian ballet in Cairo. Um, also, many years ago in the 70s in Iran, they had a ballet company and, and, and Pact used to go to Iran. Um, Zimbabwe had a very big uh, ballet presence as, as well at some stage. Um, and I get so many phone calls about people wanting to to have ballet taught in uh, other African countries. Um, last year when we were staging, uh, we're doing a production of When Ballet Meets Jazz, um, the 24th of October till the 28th of October. Um, we are mixing classical ballet with jazz music and it's, it's interesting to see the four little signets danced with a kind of jazzified um, uh, soundtrack by Andre Peterson, an amazing jazz pianist. Um, and we work in, in su it's such a great experience to see the, the live jazz musicians on stage. Um, and w when we screened this, um, uh, it was done on Chinese television, um, the calls that we had from Africa saying, we, we want this, we want this, we want this, is so beautiful. Because again, it's about the beauty of it. It's about the being innovative about it, being creative about it, and therefore just speaking to the audience. Um, and so that is part of what I want, I'm wanting to achieve. Um, the patron of the South African International Ballet Competition is a lady called Connie September, and she's always also pushing and saying, when you're hosting the International Ballet Competition, we have to bring more African uh, countries into the fold of, of the competition. And it's not that easy because it isn't that big in the rest of Africa yet. And I, I definitely think that this is what I want to do is to take ballet much broader and wider than just South Africa. Um, and so that is a big drive for me. We're going to hear your next choice, which is from Samson and Delilah, the Bacchanal by Saint-Saëns. And then I want to hear about your production, a bit more about it, Benghazi, that's coming up. So let's listen to the Bacchanal first. The Bacchanal from Samson and Delilah by Camille Saint-Saëns, the Slovak Radio Symphony Orchestra under Keith Clark. Tell us about your production that's coming up. It's at the Peter Turin Theatre in October 20... It starts on the 31st of October until the 4th of November, and the tickets are at CompuTicket. Um, and it really is a celebration of South African dance in the sense that it takes the best ballet. So we're also bringing Aaron Smythe, that many people know from the previously from South, uh, South African International Ballet Competition, a medalist. He's danced with Joburg Ballet. He's danced with Mzanzi Productions. And now he will be dancing with me in Mzanzi Ballet. Um, and he just won at the Shanghai International Ballet Competition the Best Performer Prize. Um, he will be dancing also with Angela Reevy, uh, Michael Reevy, Angela Milan. We have two young other young dancers in the in the show called ja uh, Taylor DeBee and Veronica Lowe. And then we have our crew from Soweto, from Alexandra, Madame More, uh, Mash, um, and a few others. And we have Faya on Domiso Tafeni, who is a flamenco dancer, um, who is also in the show. And an incredible mix of personalities. And it's so great to have the best of the best of the best in one show, because Faya is indeed one of the best male flamenco dancers in South Africa. And so is Madame More with his flamenco crew, uh, with his um, Pansula crew. And it is so beautiful to see the energy and the willingness to, to engage with one another on stage through these different 
dance forms. So, you know, you'd normally go to a flamenco show or you go to a pansula show or you have to see the pansula dance on the side of the road or you go to a ballet show. And if you go to this show, it all's on the same stage. And, I, and I've brought a singer will be part of the show um, just to kind of also help narrate the show a little bit more, particularly because it's also it's Monte Cassino. It's it's for, as I said earlier, a younger, sexier audience So that I want to speak to. The ballet audience will still love the Dying Swan. We will have the Don Q Paris de We'll have the White Swan Paris de So your pure classics will still be there. Uh, but it will also have a more contemporary feel to it and it will have a more South African feel to it. And I think that's really, really important. And the theater is such a beautiful little theater. I love going to the, the it's 400 seats. Um, and we always get treated so nicely by Mr. Turin and his crew there. Um, and it's wonderful to be able to to do it there. And I think it's the perfect size for the show at this stage. The the interest from international c- countries is, is, is big. We are talking to China. We're talking to Korea. We're talking to Spain. About taking the show there. Taking the show there. So I'm very, very excited about that. Um, and really, we are also looking at doing a South African tour and hopefully hopping over the border into one of two of the places to, again, take the Cuban ballet there as well. So there's always a plan be- beyond the plan with what I do. And that's really what I, I try to achieve at all times. And I hope that we can get Aaron Smythe here. You mentioned him into the studio to be a person of note. I hope so indeed. He's yeah. such a fun guy. But we're going to hear some music by John Launchberry, and then I want to talk to you about funding. Another great score from John Launchberry. That was from the tales of Beatrix Potter, the orchestra of the Royal Opera House Covent Garden, conducted by the composer John Launchberry. Dirk, we've talked about the ballet that's going on here and the need for people to support it. Where are you getting support from? Well, first and foremost, I have to say that we hope that we will get the support from the audiences because there's no point in creating ballet if you don't have an audience. And I really think that's step one. But we've been very fortunate in the last two years. We've had the Mary Oppenheim and Daughter Foundation give us money. We've had Kachalia Capital give us money. We've had the lottery give us money. Um, so slowly but surely, I went in January to the United States and I did a, a talk when I was also at a big international ballet competition there. And a gentleman got up and wrote me a check for 10,000 US dollars. Um, and so thank you to to, to them. Um, but it would be so much more amazing if we could get more corporate support, oh, more government national government. Yeah. And I think that's the real sustainable support that we need to ask for. Corporates is good for a production or an event, but the sustainable funding for all the arts companies should come from government. And that would also ensure greater willingness to work together and work to creating a true South African arts culture. Um, you can't expect any of the companies, even though they have lots of money and the individuals have their own money, they can choose what they want to do with their money. They don't have to give it to the arts. I would love for them to give it to the arts, but they, 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 they can't always give it. The national government has enough money, maybe not right now because they have to play catch up, but they actually do have enough money. People pay tax. Um, we pay toll. We pay VAT. There's enough money. We, the, 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 the petrol levy is too much. They should take some of that and give it to, to, to the arts companies. In, in the States, they have a thing which they call the ZAP taxes, zoo arts and park taxes. Um, and that's where they take a certain percentage of all taxes paid by, by people and they give it directly to the arts. Um, in Italy, they, they, they have some of the, the soccer money goes to the arts, um, which makes 100% sense. Um, and that's what I think is that we need to find a way to get 
all three tiers of, of government to start saying, we need to start supporting this. We need to make it available to all. And and ballet, it's 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 so hard because right now the people that, that are coming to the ballet can afford to come to the ballet. And so it makes the gap between the haves and the have-nots even bigger. And it won't change unless there is national funding for it. There is no way that we can support all the kids that we would like to train by by donations only. Um, kids need to be transported, they need to be fed, they need to be clothed, they need to be housed. And that should come from the national government. Um, so that is what we have to work on. And I, I think that we need to find a way of encouraging government to support us better. Yeah, because in many ways, we are the fuel of society. The arts are an incredible uh, power source for society. Well, somebody at one stage said the art is the, the, the cherry on top, but it's not. It's actually it's the everything foundation. that keeps yeah. the cake together. Um, and it's, it's what we need to be proud of. Like our sports teams, we need to, be, we, we need to know that Dirk Bartnell is going to be adjudicating for the first time as an African in Russia. Um, and the dancers are performing in China. And we have dancers from Cuba in South Africa. And it's that sense of pride that we need to find a way of celebrating. A wonderful, energetic piece, The Lord of the Dance by Ronan Hardiman, uh, conducted by Anne Dudley. And in fact, I've got The Lord of the Dance right here in the studio, Dirk Bardenhorst, the CEO of the South African International Ballet Competition, who's doing all that he can to keep ballet going in his own way. And it's an amazing job. And in, in so many ways, I... I uh, empathize with him because it's a hard job it's not easy it's and not. and i mean i've i've been going now for some 40 years nearly in south africa doing what i doing trying to convey my love of what i do to the people that i do it for and, and you do the same it's never ending and people say don't you get disheartened no because it's what i love to start off with but there's always a new generation that needs to be taught, and it needs to be encouraged, that needs to be inspired, that needs to be grown. And I feel the same within the, in the government. We have a few very, very, very nice people that do support what we are doing. And we need to make it easier for them to, to support us as well. Um, and so every time I hear a no from somebody, it doesn't dishearten me. It sometimes makes me upset, but doesn't dishearten me. And there's a difference. But it actually kind of it's a greater inspiration to try harder even. Um, I haven't gone for 40 years yet, but... <laughs> but... But what is interesting is that you were a late starter. Absolutely. And I was a late starter. I didn't do any music theory or serious music until I was 18. Exactly. And I think yeah. that that's what inspires us. If we had been the performer, probably we would have performed and, and the fire would have burnt out. Um, but I think the fact that we started late is what keeps us going and keeps us working harder for this thing that we, we, we love so much. Yeah. And, and as I say, for me, it's also for the love of South Africa, the love of the people of South Africa. And I love coming home. Whenever I travel abroad, when I get to the OR Tambo and they go, welcome home, I really feel like I'm yeah. home, despite everything that happens. It's, it is a wonderful country. And I, I just hope that this kind of conversation and the work that you do, the work that I do, and the work that so many other people do can lead to a greater encouragement of people to support us.
Yeah, and and I must say that I've I'm always encouraged by the people who support me, who come to the concerts, and they do a great job coming. We get very good audiences a lot of the time, and it's really exciting to see the possibilities. And I now have people because I've been going a little bit longer than you. I get mothers coming say, my you know, I used to do this and my children are now doing it. And that makes me very happy. Yeah, yeah. indeed. I love it. Yeah. Well, there it is, dear listeners. Uh, please support the arts. It's really important that we have your support. Uh, Dirk Badenhorst needs it. I need it. We all need it. The ballet companies, the dance companies, the orchestras, the singers, because we actually want them to sing here for us because that's what inspires us. I was inspired by that. Dirk was inspired by that. We've all been inspired by amazing performances to tears very often. Um, and that's what keeps us going. And Dirk will be planning his new international ballet competition. And don't forget, give us those dates again for Benghazi. Benghazi is the 31st of October to the 4th of November at the Peter Turin Theatre at Monte Cassino. And the week before is when ballet meets jazz, the 24th to the 28th of of uh, October, also at Peter Turin. All the tickets are available at CompuTicket. There we go. You've been listening to People of Note on Classic 1027. Thanks to Pete for helping us put it together. And thank you all at home for listening. Good night. <laughs>